you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, be looking at verses 25 through 31, speaking on the topic, the dreadful doom of the apostate, the dreadful doom of the apostate. We've already talked about those who are apostates, uh, that there are those who are in the church uh, that gather with God's people who are not truly saved. They look like Christians. They may smell like Christians, but in their hearts, in their hearts, they do not draw near to Christ. They do not rely upon Christ. And ultimately, they fall away from him. So that's what we'll be uh, looking at here. And, and the importance of our gathering together is that uh, we may prevent one another from, draw, from drifting away from Christ, from bringing Christ dishonor as we live our lives in this world. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 through 31, I start reading the verse 19 just so we can remember the context. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, since we have a, a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, of our hope, uh, as you were. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another as all, and, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fire and a fury of fire that will consume the adversary. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, uh, by which he was sanctified and has uh, outraged the spirit? of grace for we know him who said vengeance is mine i will repay and again the lord will judge his people it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god these words are sobering they're a sobering reality uh, for us so let us give heed and give our full attention 
to God's word here this morning. It is clear in scripture that there are only two types of people in the world. In Romans chapter 8, Paul illustrates this in saying that there are those who walk according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh, who set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the spirit, who set their minds on the things of the spirit. In other words, there are believers, there are unbelievers. There are those who are regenerate, and there are those who are not. Paul is, in, a, in Romans chapter 8, he's making the case that if you've been justified by faith, you will be sanctified. This is, this is one of the determining factors of whether or not you are a child of God. It, it, it is whether or not you are producing fruit, spiritual fruit in your life whether or not you are changing spiritually, whether you're growing spiritually, whether or not you deal with your, your sin, uh, whether you uh, uh, love your brother and sister. And so I say this to say there are two types of people in the world. There are two types of people in the church as well. There are those who are believers. There are those who are unbelievers, the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats. This is a reality we face as we meet together on a weekly basis. And, and this, I believe, is, is, is the author of what the author of Hebrews is, is, is going to distinguish for us. He has pointed to the fact that there are those who trust in and rely upon Jesus Christ. There are those who cling to the rock, who hold fast to him, who cherish him, and, and they see him as the, the, the necessary uh, answer to their sin problem. There are those who cling to Christ, but then there are those who we'll see in the text who eventually, instead of moving toward Christ, they move away from Christ. They they at one time was sitting in the church like we are right now. Sitting with God's people, worshiping God, partaking of the elements, doing all the things that a Christian would do. And and they do those things and, and then eventually they leave the faith. You know people like that who have sat in churches uh, and and for, for a period of time set up under the teaching of the word of God and they eventually fall away. So let us keep that in mind as we, we go to our text. Remember what we've learned so far about those who are true believers. There has been an a admonition given to true believers to, to draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. 
we we are told as believers to hold fast to the confession of our hope in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ without wavering because faithful is he who has promised. We we have seen that it's our duty as believers to be continually thinking about how to stir one another up to love and to good works. These are God's commands to believers. God's command to believers to respond to. And beloved, I tell you, true believers do respond. They do respond to what God has commanded. But now we're 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 going to draw our attention to just a sobering reality. As I was going through this passage, it, it was it, it was a sobering reality to 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 look and 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 to see the 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 dreadful consequence of of rejecting Jesus Christ. And, and the amazing thing about this passage is that the author includes himself in this warning. And what is this saying is that nobody, nobody is uh, is exempt. You must hold fast to Christ and cling to him until Christ returns or until the Lord take you home. Sobering reality that we are demanded to continue to rely upon Christ and to obey him. And we do that by drawing near to God. We do that by holding fast to our faith. We do that by stirring one another up. And guess what, beloved? We do it by not neglecting to meet together. Look at verse number 25. We, we are to, to meet together to encourage each other because the day of Christ, the day of reckoning is approaching. The writer of Hebrews says, not neglecting to, to meet together. The, the early church met together daily. They, they met together daily. This has been the, 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 the heritage of those who were believers. It was to meet together. And, and the church, the early church, turn to Acts 2. To, to see this. They, they met together daily. We meet together weekly. But these believers, the early church, they started out meeting in homes and in the synagogue on a daily basis. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Hear the word of God. And it said, and they devoted themselves, talking about those who had come to faith in Christ. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the, and to, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were, were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, 
attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and gracious hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Such unity, such, such unity, such love, such serving, such spiritual growth, such generosity was being exhibited by the early church to the point that they met every day. Can you imagine that? Coming together, saying that sovereign, we're going to come together and meet every day. You know, we think about it from uh, from our convenience because we got our homes. We go to our homes and we watch our TVs and we participate in our activities. But just think of the, the of, of what it would be like to come together every day to pray, to study God's word, to serve one another. Wouldn't that build a sense of unity among the church? This is why it's, it's important that, that even though we don't meet day by day, that we do meet. And, you know, as we meet once a week for worship service. It, we, and it's just not the only time we meet. We meet for Wednesday night Bible study. The women meet for uh, study on uh, Saturday mornings. And so the pastor tells us that, that we're, we're not to, to neglect meeting together. However we do it, whether you invite someone to your home, don't neglect meeting together. This word neglect here, let's take a closer look at it. It means to, to, to abandon, to listen carefully to what this word neglect means, to desert. Think about what happens when a parent uh, leaves their their child in the car. There are serious consequences for that. Uh, when when a parent abandons their child, that there are serious consequences for that. Particularly for that child, because they will be neglected of the nurture that that is due to them as a child. Here, the writer is saying. Don't abandon, uh, uh, don't desert uh, uh, one another. This, 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 this same promise is given to us in Hebrews. Uh, the same word is used in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where God says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. God said he will never forsake you. And guess what? If we are... God's people, we shouldn't forsake one another because God doesn't forsake God. God is God at all times is sustaining us and it is giving us what we need. And we're to reflect God's love and care in the way we serve and love one another. This word, it means to neglect, to abandon, to desert. Another dictionary that I I have uh, in my home, it said this, the sense of the word here is to reject or leave. It is 
to refuse to accept or acknowledge something. It is conceived of as leaving it behind or forsaken. And so what, what, what the writer is saying is that to neglect or abandon or, 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 or reject other believers it is, is what we're doing when we refuse to gather together with one another. And, and this is in contrast to what he has just said to the stirring up one another to love and to good deeds. The, the, the opposite of that, the opposite of, of, of uh, because you, in order to stir one another up, you got to be around one another, right? That's the implication. The implication is, is that if you're going to stir one another up to love and to good works, there has to be another nearby in your presence in order to do that. And so the writer is saying when, when, and, and, and again, this is, let me make it clear. This is someone who is willfully. I understand that there's those who, because of health issues and things like that, they can't be in church. That, that ain't what this passage is talking about. It's talking about someone who stubbornly says, I got my own type of Christianity. I got my own religion. I really don't need to, I really don't need to meet with, with other believers because you know, I got my own Christianity and, and it's okay. You just go, you can gather together around a fire and in the woods somewhere and you're okay. <laughs> this is the, the type of attitude that this passage is pointing to. Because if, if you, if you love Christ, you, you will love the people of Christ. Do you, if, if you love Christ, you won't abandon the, the, the people whom the Holy Spirit has joined you together with in Christ. You know, I thought about, as I was thinking about this, I thought about, you know, just, you know, the Bible uses the, the metaphor uh, of the body to describe the relationship we have in the body of Christ. And I just, I was imagining, you know, just uh, if I was, you see it in movies, you know, zombie movies, you know, somebody walking around and their hand fall off. I mean, you look at that and, and we, I mean, it, it, that just doesn't happen, right? You just don't walk around and your arm fall off, your leg fall off. That's just unnatural. And it's the same for 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 Christians, it's unnatural for us to not want to be together. It, it's unnatural. I was ready to come and be with you guys here today. That that this is the this is the attitude of a true believer. They want they look forward to being around other believers. They look forward. They look for opportunity to serve other believers. So the writer saying, he says, not not neglecting to meet together. When you neglect to meet together, you, what you're doing is 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 if if you're a believer, 
you're robbing your brothers and sisters of, of the of the the grace and, and and the spiritual gifts that God has given you for them. Ken Hughes said this. No. He said, it is impossible to be a good Christian while voluntarily absenting. Notice that word voluntarily. This is a willful choice. Voluntarily absenting oneself from the assembly, assembled church. He said, the author of Hebrews is pleading with his people not to make such a mistake because he knows they would not survive and neither would we, end quote. And so, beloved, as, as, as you're able, as you are able, you should take advantage of every opportunity to come together with your brothers and sisters to love them and to stir them up to good work so that they can persevere in the faith. Notice what the writer goes on. He says, he says as is the habit of some, that there were some in in the the time the the author wrote this letter, there were some who were abandoning abandoning others by by not meeting together. And this was their this was their usual practice. This was their habit. And, and perhaps they had they they may have been uh, abandoning gathering together with other believers, perhaps it was because of persecution, which we'll see uh, we'll see here in the coming Sunday, there was persecution that was taking place, and perhaps that is the reason why they, they weren't meeting together, because they were scared of what might happen to them if they met with other believers. That would be a possibility. But I think what's going on here is that it, the, the writer here, he's referring to those who who deserted the Christian faith and, and they had gone back to Judaism. Remember that the writer is writing to, to, to a Jewish audience and there were some who were tempted to go back to the sacrificial system. And perhaps, and I believe this is what is happening, is that as those who were not uh, true believers, who did not cling to Christ, they were going, they were slowly going back to Judaism they may show up here sporadically here and there, but but they were slowly going back to Judaism. This is who the writer is referring to. Those who rejected, they were they they rejected Christ and and the salvation that he offered for the old covenant way of religion. These these are. These are apostates to turn away from Christ and the blessings of Christ to something else. To put your trust and reliance in something else. Frederick Farr said this, quote, in the neglect of public worship, the writer saw the dangerous germ of apostasy, end quote. Philip Hughes pointed out, quote, that the failure of love shows itself then in selfish individualism, 
selfish individualism. Uh, individualism. Selfish individualism. And specifically here in the habit of some of neglecting to meet together. Such unconcern. Such unconcern for one's fellow believers argue unconcern for Christ himself and portends the danger of apostasy, end quote. So I think what the writer is getting at, that there are, these are the apostates, the, those apostates who at one time, who at one time attended the gathering, but now they are forsaking gathering together. And so the writer urged these true, the true believers in the congregation to do the opposite. He says, but encouraging one another and, 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 and encouraging. And, and again, the, the only way that you you can encourage uh, one another, the, the most effective way is to be able. This word uh, has a sense of coming alongside it, to, to, to encourage, come alongside. You put your arm, you know, I saw some hugs taking place in the church today. I saw some patting on the back, some shaking the hands. You know, don't, you know, uh, Pastor Mark, uh, thank you for your prayer. I mean, because that that strength and that that made me want to preach. (laughs) And and that wouldn't happen if 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 I wasn't here to hear it. And, and, And again, this is this is talking about someone who is selfish, someone who is indifferent, someone who does not love their brothers and sisters. He says, but encourage one another. We, we, this is to be the natural course of our life as a Christian. We're to be encouragers. Now, now we live in a day where all kind of means of doing that. We gather together on Sundays, but Throughout the week, there's there we, we can text each other, we can call each other on the phone, we'll send an email. There, there are many ways that we can encourage each other when we're not together in the building. But it should primarily take place gathering together. You know, every night just just drop a note to somebody, say, I, I'm just thinking. It don't have to be anything elaborate. Just say, just call and say, I just want to call and hear your voice. Just wanted to encourage you. Stay strong in the Lord. So you, you don't have to do much to encourage someone. Don't have to be a long conversation. You just call them and say, you know what? I just want to tell you I love you. I, I, you know, I just, I just want to tell you I love you. And then, you know, let them go, uh, go, go about, about their day. We're to be encouraging. We're to, we're to be encouragers on a continual basis, on a daily basis. Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, the, the writer is already uh, hinting at this. He says, but exhort one another. And, and it, it, this, listen to what he says. Listen to the time frame, he says. But exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
We see Paul give an example of this. Uh, we, we see an example in the Apostle Paul, I should say, in Romans chapter 12 of, of encouraging. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Let's, let's look at an example of, of the Apostle Paul. He's not uh, with the believers in Rome. He, he's writing a letter and yet he is he is he, he, he has found a way to encourage. To exhort his brothers and sisters whom. He's not able to be with Romans chapter 12. Verse one. And so Paul has reminded them about uh, the nature of saving faith or the nature of, of being uh, of what it means to be justified, what it means to be sanctified. And 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 in light of all of that, in light of uh, uh, of what we have in Christ, he now encourages his brothers and sisters. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. This same word appeal could or I exhort. You brothers. Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice what he's encouraging them to do. We could say worship. We could say. And he goes on later and gives some examples of good works there to do. He says, so I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Based upon what Christ has done, brothers and sisters, uh, worship God and, and, and live for God. And I think this is what the writers get there here in our text. But encourage one, the encouragement that we're to give is encouragement that is in light of what Christ has done, based upon what Christ has done for you, sister, based upon what Christ has done for you, brother. Stay strong. Live for him. Trust in him. How, however, you encourage Bring in the truth of the gospel. And, and this is to be done with urgency, he says, and all the more as the as you see the day drawing near, all the more, all, all the more increasing in, in, in your encouraging one another. The, the day here refers to Jesus Christ's return, which no man knows. The day of the hour, according to Mark 13, chapter 32, the day when 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 Christ will return in glory is it's fast approaching. We don't know when it's but it's coming yesterday. It is closer today than it was yesterday. The day is coming. And, and the writer saying, in light of this reality, there's a sense of urgency that 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 we are found to be trusting in Christ and faithfully living in obedience to Christ. When he returns, he finds us faithful. But, but suppose, but suppose someone 
does not respond in the way that this passage is calling to draw near, to hold fast, to, to, to consider, let us consider. S- suppose someone doesn't respond to these commands in this passage, that they don't draw near to God on a continual basis, that they, that they don't hold fast to their confession, that, that they're not attending church to, to, uh, to stir, they, they are intensely not attending church in order to stir one another up. What happens to them? What what do they what do they look like? What, what happens to them? Well, what follows is what happens. It, it, what what follows is a warning. It's a warning against apostasy. It's a warning against fall falling away. Hear the warning. Verse twenty six. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. For if we notice that the writer includes himself, the, the, who, 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 whoever the writer is, he includes himself in this admonition. For if we Nobody's exempt. The elders, the deacons, church members. This applies to all of us. For if we go on sinning, no sinning. This points to this. This this points to not to one act where a person sins and confesses their sin and repents and turn away from their sin. No, this, 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 this is not uh, what, what, what this, this is referring to. This, this, this sinning, go on sinning. This is a, this is a state. This is a, a settled practice of sinning without repentance, without feeling bad. With no kind of no no just 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 sinning and sinning and sinning and 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 there is is no conviction of that sin before a holy God. This, this is what it's referring to here. Go on sinning deliberately. This is not talk again. Not talking about sin uh, in, in general. This, this is not talking about a person who trusts. Fully in Christ and 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 and, and yet sins, uh, because uh, even as believers, there we're, there are, there are periods and, and times where we still sin. No, it's not talking about that. It's some this is talking about somebody who, and all sin really is deliberate sin. <laughs> I gotta say that, but but here it's talking about a person who sins, and instead of running to Christ, they're moving farther and farther away from Christ. And so what the author is saying, he's saying, don't, don't remain in sin. Respond to the truth of Christ. Re- re- repent for if we go on sinning deliberately. Notice what he says, after receiving the knowledge of the truth. 
he's talking about a person who at one time, such a person who professed to be a Christian, they they meet together with believers, they're taught the word of God, they fully understand the truth of the gospel, and and yet they still go on sinning. For, 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 For a time, such a person, again, they can go to church for many years. And, and 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 say that they're Christians. They look like Christians. They confess like Christians. They act like Christians. They talk like Christians. They have a comprehensive knowledge of the truth about the person and work of Jesus Christ to the point to where they can explain it to others. And yet they continue in sin. These are counterfeit Christians. And, and we don't know who they are. The, the, the writer doesn't know in the, the, those who in the congregation who are apostates. So he, he just he gives the warning. He does what a preacher does. You just tell them what God says and those who are true will respond. But but he says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, this, this person, this person is a counterfeit believer. Remember, we covered that back in Hebrews chapter six. Remember, we uh, discussed uh, the writer says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. This is this is what this is the call to the true believers to mature in the Christian faith. And now he says, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction of washings and laying on a hand. And what he's doing, he's giving a list of the basic un- basic teachings of Christ. Uh, the basic teachings of Christ from, from the Old Testament, the basic teachings about Christ, the basics of Christianity, for, particularly for a Jewish believer. But then he says in verse four, he says, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted of the, the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fall away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the son of God to their own harm and holding him up in contempt. And so he gives it. He's, he, so, so to help the, the readers understand what he's talking about, he gives an example. Listen to his to his example. He says, for the land that has drunk the the rain that often falls on it and produces a useful a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. That's that's one. That's one type of land. It rains and it produces fruit. But here's another type. But if it bears thorns, never produces fruit. What comes out ultimately, he says, it bears thorns and thistles. 
it is worthless and near to being cursed. And in, in the end, it is burned up. See, I grew up in the country. We had a, we had a, call it a field where we planted stuff and we, we planted seeds, we planted corn and we expected, we expected fruit. Well, my daddy did. You know, I'm just doing, I did it because my daddy sent me out there to, to tend to everything, to plow and to plant and, and to go get the fruit. When, but, you know, there was an expectancy of fruit. If, if we went out there and there was a, 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 a lot of land and, and, and it just had thorns, thistles and things like that, you're not going to, you, you just move away. You don't plant anything over there. Cause nothing ever. You ever plant something in a, in a in a spot in your garden, and it never some you know stuff never grows there. Or maybe that just happened to me. I plant stuff in the garden. I got pots. I plant stuff, and it just just don't grow like it's supposed to. And 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 and, and we we can encounter that in the church where there are people who sit under the word of God, and there are those who sit and they hear the word of God and they respond. It may be slow growth, it may be uh, fast growth, but, but, but they respond. But then there are those who they sit under the, the preaching of the word of God and it never gets down to their heart. They, they outwardly do what everybody's doing, but they, they, they outwardly they look like Christians, but in their heart they never embrace Christ. And eventually they turn away. They, they, they go their own way. This this is a and 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 they continue, they go and they live in sin and so this this is an this is an apostate. Remember Judas. Judas had the privilege of walking, talking, being with the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis. All the time Jesus was on this earth for three years, Judas was there. For the, for, for the majority of that time that Christ was here on this earth, Judas was there. He was intimately acquainted with the Savior. He heard his teachings. Matter of fact, he went out teaching. He saw his miracles. That He's right there. He, 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 he saw the miracles. He saw the Lord walk on the water. Judas saw that. He ate the food. Remember when they, when, when the crowd was following Jesus and, and the people was hungry and Jesus produced food miraculously from, from fish and, 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 and bread and, and all the people ate to include Judas. And you say, well, if anybody believed in Jesus Christ, it should have been all of the disciples to include Judas. But you know what Judas did. He betrayed the Lord. And the amazing thing about it is Jesus, when he was uh, 
he was at the 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 he was doing the uh the last Passover with 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 his disciples and and, and they're there and they're sitting in the room and Jesus said, When are you gonna betray me? You think the disciples looked around and said, Judas gonna be the one. No, they didn't do it. They were like, Is it I? Is it I? They didn't know that it was Judas who was gonna betray the Lord. This is what this is what this is what the writer has been getting at in Hebrews chapter six. And in our passage here today, there are those there there are those who gather together and they're so intimately acquainted with Judas, like Judas was intimately acquainted with Christ. He was intimately acquainted with the disciples and yet he was not saved. There are people who come to church and they are not saved. And, and it's important that you hear that if this applies to you. Because if you reject Christ, his person, his work, the writer says there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. If you turn away from Christ, talking to these these Jewish believers, if you turn away from Christ and you go back to the to the old 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 covenant sacrificial system, there's no forgiveness in that anymore. Now that Christ has come, Christ has come. Now there's forgiveness in in Him and Him alone. But if you turn from Christ, you for you forfeit forgiveness. If you turn from Christ and you look to the things of the world, you forfeit the blessings of peace and joy that you have in Christ. Only Christ can give peace. Only Christ can give joy. Only Christ can give satisfaction. The writer says there no longer remains a sacrifice for for sin. And 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 he's uh, he's he's referring to numbers uh, 15 chapters uh, uh, Romans uh, numbers chapter, uh, chapter 15 verses 30 through 31, where it says, but the person who does anything with a high hand, that is who they 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 heard what God requires that you don't serve idols, that you love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and this, he says and they do, they do anything with a high hand. And what he's saying, the writer's saying is that, that they sin deliberately, knowing that it's unlawful. He says whether he is a native or a sojourner, revives the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. You, you, you reject God and, and, and his authority, then you are cut off and the iniqu your iniquity shall be on you. And this, is, this, is, this was under the old covenant. And so the writer is saying for the Jewish readers, if anyone rejects Christ, going back to bulls and goats, it ain't going to help you. 
It's not going to help you. There, there, there's no other sacrifice for sins. There is nothing else that can cleanse your conscience of your sins. There is nothing else that can purify your heart apart from Christ. There, there is nothing else that can give you hope outside of Christ. Don't let the world fool you. There, there is no hope. There is no help in the world system. And, and this is important that we recognize this, that we that we honor Christ in, 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 in all that we do, because if you don't honor Christ, then you put yourself in a predicament you don't want to be in. If you don't honor the son, referring to his deity, then you're an adversary of God. You're an enemy of God. And, and all that remains for you is a fury of fire, verse 27, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. You will receive what is due to the enemies of God if you continue to move away from Christ and continue to live a life of sin. If you disregard Christ, you align yourself with the enemies of God. And then he gives us an example, verse 28. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses, anyone talking about anybody who willfully rebelled and rejected God's authority, it says, if anybody set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. This is, this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 2 through 6. It's where those who under the Mosaic covenant, if they defied God, they were put to death. Remember the example that was given uh, later on in that passage of a man out gathering wood on the Sabbath. Breaking God's commandment that they went, they took that man and they stoned him to death. And so the writer is saying. For those who defied the, the, the Mosaic covenant and they were put to death without mercy, they, they took that man who, who knows why he was gathering wood. He know that he wasn't supposed to gather wood on the Sabbath, but he was out there. Maybe his family was hungry. Doesn't matter. Don't gather wood on this. Don't, don't gather wood on the Sabbath day. And he was out there gathering wood and they, they took him. Got stones and they stoned him to death. And if that happened to those under the old covenant who rejected God's authority, the writer says, verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? And this points to, again, intentionality. The person who, 
who has heard and understand the 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 the, the teaching concerning Christ from Scripture that that He is the Son of God, that He is very God, a very God, that He is the radiance of God, that He is the radiance of divine glory, that He is the the exact representation of of the nature of God, that He is God. And and you snub your nose at that. And you and you treat it like you treat it like something common. This passage tells scripture tell us, this passage tell us you deserve greater punishment. Jesus taught the same thing, Luke 12, chapter 42 through 48, talking about those who were given responsibility. And, 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 and matter of fact, turn over there. Turn over there real quick. Luke chapter 12. Verse 42. And here it is. Uh, Jesus was telling his disciples of those who uh, were uh, waiting, in a sense, on the G. They're, they're like servants that, 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 are, that are lighting their lamps. And they're, they're, they're waiting on the master. They're, they're doing their, their due. And, and uh, the P- Peter asked the Lord in verse 41, Lord, are you telling us, telling this parable for us uh, or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master set over his house to give them the portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Managing faithfully, uh, serving faithfully. He says in verse 44, truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, said the master of that servant will come on on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful and that servant who knew listen what he says and that servant who who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will will receive a severe beating but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating everyone to whom uh, everyone to whom much is given of him, much will be required. And for him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Let me tell you. If you're sitting, if you sit under God's word week by week.
If you hear of Christ and it is atoning work, the more you hear, the more you know, the more responsible you are. The more response you hear teaching, you hear the preaching. The more you hear, the more you are responsible. If you know what is required and you fail to respond and you go on and live your life in a way that does not honor Christ, if you reject Christ, And you think that it's okay? Beloved, I tell you, Satan has blinded your eyes. Satan has blinded your spiritual eyes to the fact that you're dead, that that you're spiritually dead, that there's no life in you. Because either you're moving toward Christ, and that may be at a slow pace, fast pace, either you're moving toward Christ, Are you moving away from Christ? And that could be a slow pace. It could be a fast pace. But there is no middle ground, beloved. This is why this is so important. There is no middle ground. Either you respond or you don't respond. And and I can say it this way. No response is a response. This this is this is serious. Because if you, in a sense, trample underfoot the, the the truth that you're getting, you just you don't care about. I'm just gonna go and go do my thing. You deserve worse punishment. And the writer says, and has profaned the blood of the covenant. You treat the sacrificial death of Christ as something common or profane. You don't have no use for the blood of Christ. And and, and he goes and he said, by which he was sanctified. This this doesn't mean that the person was saved. Just mean that, that they understood something uh, uh, of the of, of the necessity of coming to Christ, they 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 understood something of the joy and peace of Christ because they they have seen it in the church in true believers. You 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 come to church and you see God working in the life of a true believer. The writer says, and outrage the spirit of grace. Any work of grace in the life of a believer is the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and as you see that, you see the spirit work in the lives. You, you're in church and you see the spirit work in, 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 in the lives of, of those who are true believers. And yet 
and you know that it's because of Christ that they're able to do what they're doing, and yet you reject it. And God gives this warning. The writer says, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Maybe that fear hasn't grasped your heart. But perhaps, per, perhaps today is the day for you. The, to, the, today is the day for you to respond, whether you're here, whether you're watching over the Internet. Perhaps today is the day for you to stop playing with Christ. Because as, as, I, as I say always, God ain't playing. You play with Christ, God ain't going to play with you. You have breath in your body. It is opportunity for you to take advantage of the great salvation found in Christ. And as we and for those of us who are believers, we don't know who the who the apostates are. We don't know who who are goats, who are sheep. We don't know who's the wheat and the tares. We don't know. All of that will be sorted out when Christ come back. But as long as we gather together, we should see it as our responsibility to make sure that our brothers and sisters and, and their spiritual well-being, that they're, that they're loving others, that they're doing good works. We should see it as our responsibility to ensure that they're serving and they're loving and they're doing the work that God has called them to because Christ is coming back. That's, a, that's why we gather together. Because the, the end is drawing near. And I've said this before. It will hurt my soul to find out that someone sat under my preaching and teaching and did not know the gospel. They sat under my preaching and teaching and was not challenged to, to, to come to Christ. That will hurt my heart. And, and to see a believer not taking advantage of what Christ the, uh, Peter says God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We have everything necessary to live the Christian life in Christ, whether we are hurting, whether we're suffering, whether we're in pain, whether we are in a hospital bed. We have everything we need to live the Christian life. Remember Wednesday night I uh, used the, the example, uh, told you about uh, James Montgomery Boyce and how he talked, how he knew a lady who was, who was uh, in a nursing home in a hospital bed, could not take care of herself. 
and she was still telling other people about Christ in a nursing home, in a hospital bed. She couldn't take care of herself. And what does that tell us? That the grace that we have in Christ is sufficient. Don't go nowhere else. No, not, no, no, I can't, no other philosophy can empower you, can give you the joy and the peace that Christ can give you. Beloved, I want to be found just like the Apostle Paul, preaching Christ and him crucified. And that's it. And that's all I have to give you. And that's all you need. So if you don't know Christ, come to Christ. Don't continue to trample upon the Son of God and think that, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I got time to do it. You don't know whether or not you will take your next breath. And for those of us who know Christ, he's coming back for us. He's coming back. No more pain is up. The archangel is going to shout. And we're going to be caught up with him. To see him. To be with him. And I want to encourage you with that. I want to love you with that truth. To hold to him who will come back and love you one day completely and fully. You obey the sin. You obey the fellowship with him. There'll be no more hurt, no more pain. Hallelujah for that day. Let's pray. Father, this is a sober warning to us to ensure that we examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith, that we're truly following after you, that we're truly relying upon you, that we truly are dependent and clinging to, to you. But it's, this, is, this is a real warning. It's, this is a warning for, for, for us all to, to take the Christian life seriously. To, to, to take the blessings that we have in Christ seriously. The fact that we can draw near to you. That, that we can stand boldly and hold fast to, to our faith in the midst of persecution and suffering. Father, that we can that we can press and and love our brother and sister in a way that encourages them to serve you with greatest great, greater uh, fervor, to encourage them to to grow spiritually and to and, and most importantly to deal with sin in their lives. Father, we can do that because of what you have done through Jesus Christ, and we're thankful for that. Is this this is this has nothing to do 
with, with anything in us. It's all about Christ. And, and Father, I pray for those who have not trusted in Christ, who does not rely upon Christ. I pray that you would open because it won't happen apart from your work through the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will open their spiritual eyes so that they would see Christ and they they would see him and, and they would know him as he has been revealed in Scripture. And that they would see an, an attractiveness about him, that they would see him as a treasure, a treasure that, that is greater than any treasure. And that they would see him and come to him and give up everything to follow, to have him and to follow him. Like many of us have already done. May they, may they know that same joy and that peace that surpasses all understanding that, that comes when knowing that Christ has dealt with our sins. I thank you, Father. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this passage. And I pray that it will bear fruit in the lives of the hearers for the sake of Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.